Hello, dear listeners. Today, I want to talk about uh, narcissistic abuse caused by manipulators based on the book written by a French um, psychologist called Isabelle Nazar-Aga. So the book, I don't think it's translated into English, but the translation would be Manipulators Are Among Us. Les Manipulateurs Sont Parmi Nous. I decided to do this topic because this book served me well many years ago when I was a student and uh, crossed paths with, with the manipulator, a narcissist, and uh, entered a relationship with them. So I will talk about that in, later in the, in, the, in the episode. One can say, okay, what is a manipulator, right? Everyone can manipulate. You can, we can have attitudes or actions of manipulation from time to time that doesn't make us a, a manipulator this woman in in her book there are 30 characteristics of a manipulator that um, she talks about when you have 14 of them then you're a manipulator and how does it even start that a person becomes a manipulator it, it starts in childhood it's a defense mechanism it's a way of survival where they attack and they um, belittle others in order to feel valuable. They don't take responsibility for their actions. They put it on others. So manipulators need people around them. They cannot be, they are not the solo type to go live uh, in, a, in, a grotto in, the, in a grotto in the mountains. Um, no, they need people around them because they thrive from how they make people do what they want or they confuse people and stuff. It's a big deal because uh, manipulators are everywhere in the sense that they can be a boss, they can be a friend, they can be a, a partner, a life partner, they can be parents, manipulative parents too. I will surely get into that um, in the future in, in on the podcast. The effects are devastating because when we talk about abuse, most of the time we talk about like physical abuse and things like that, but we don't talk about psychological abuse for women who go through them. And men, of course, men, men who are victims of uh, manipulative um, partners. So, and sometimes again, the shame kind of comes with it, right? I want to talk mostly to my sisters, you listeners who, until you meet this manipulative person, you, you had known maybe like good relationships that had ended like, you know, healthy relationships. And then you meet this manipulative person and then the person that you were, you couldn't resist all the abuse that uh, came your way. And then you, you went into hiding, unable to tell anyone about it. So the manipulator chooses um, their victim there's a way that they choose their victim, right? So maybe let me start first by talking about um, the characteristics because the author says that 20% of manipulators are conscious that they are manipulators, so they know what they're doing. So they have this pleasure in subjecting other people, in um, kind of destroying other people. They take a secret pleasure in it. And from what, from my um, experience and many stories I hear around me, most of the time, these kind of manipulators, they will choose women that have it going for them. Um, I know, again, um, that um, 
women can be manipulators and destroy men. It's there's a lot of that. So I'm just speaking from my experience, but I don't speak from something I don't know. Um, so they choose women that most of the time are independent, financially independent, educated, um, physically they look good, they present well in society. Most of the time, even in leadership positions, people trust them. They have this um they have it going for them. They have their friends. They are generous with their families. They are dependable. You know, this they come when they come in at first. They admire all these traits, right? And then it's later that things change. And then, but eighty percent of manipulators they don't know that they are. They are not conscious that it's manipulation. It's destructive. Maybe they might see that it's destructive, but it's their defense mechanism, right? And uh, in doing the readings, I also saw that the ones that are not conscious, um, they have this inferiority complex and they use others to kind of, you know, by bringing others down, making others feel guilty, they feel it gives them value, right? It gives them value in themselves. And then um, the the 20%, those ones, huh? the, the ones that are conscious, it's like a, it's like hunting for them, you know. They will choose someone they they think is so up there in society, or it's so beautiful, smart, loving, successful, and then they they go with it to really subject that person to bring them right down, and then that power that they feel, like kind of a thrill to have been able to manage to do that to another person. So that's the that's the way the they they value themselves that they they've managed to break you or to bring you down so that's um those are the i think those are the worst even though the others too they also do damage but anyways let's get into the um for uh, the 30 characteristics and as i told you if you, if a person has 14 of them they are manipulators and remember it's a mental disorder right it apparents to narcissistic personality disorder so it's uh yeah it's a mental illness and uh unfortunately let me just say it, it cannot be cured so anyways so for the 30 characteristics the first one is they make other people feel guilty um in the name of professional conscience family ties friendships friendship love so they use different things to make other people feel guilty they unload their responsibilities onto others and dismiss their own responsibilities. They do not clearly communicate their requests, needs, feelings, or opinions. They often respond vaguely, so they don't communicate clearly. They don't answer. They don't have direct answers. They always, you know, keep the other person on edge. Anyways, number five, they change their opinions, behaviors, or feelings depending on the person or situation, yeah, chameleon behavior. They cite all kinds of logical reasons to disguise their requests. Number seven, they make others believe that they must be perfect, never change their minds, always know everything, and immediately respond to requests and questions. Number eight, they, ca they cast into doubt the qualities, skills, and personalities of other people. They criticize without appearing to do so, devalue and judge. Number nine, they have their messages communicated by other people or via intermediaries, telephone instead of face-to-face -face written notes. 
They create suspicion and stir up ill feeling. They divide to conquer, drive a wedge between people, which can lead to relationship breakups. They know how to make themselves into victims to gain sympathy. Exaggerated illness, for example, difficult surroundings, that they have too much work. They ignore requests, even if they claim they are taking care of it. So you you make a request to them and they say, yeah, yeah, they're taking care of it. Actually, they just ignore it because they have no consideration for others. They use the moral principles of others, um, e.g. notions of humanity, charity, racism, good or bad things, to satisfy their needs. Number 14, they make veiled threats or openly resort to blackmail. Number 15, they abruptly change topic in mid-conversation. Number 16, they avoid or get out of discussions and meetings. 17, they rely on the ignorance of others while vaunting their own superiority. Number 18, they lie. Number 19, they make false statements to discover the truth, twist and interpret facts to suit themselves. Number 20, they they are self-centered, they are egocentric. Number 21, they can be jealous even if they are parents or spouses. They can be jealous of their spouse or even of their kids. Number 22, they cannot take criticism and deny facts. A manipulator or a narcissist is able to argue with you that uh, the, the, the sun is not out when you see the sun is out. Number 23, they do not take into account the rights, needs, and desires of others. 24, they often wait until the last minute to ask or have others do something. So they will not tell you well in advance so that you prepare yourself. They, they come with last minute requests and then people have to jump and ally. 25, their words appear logical and consistent where their attitudes and actions or lifestyle are totally opposite. It's kind of, uh, uh, so they don't, they don't say what they do and they don't do what they say. That's, that's really the summary of that one. 26, they use flattery to seduce us, give gifts, and suddenly start waiting on us hand and foot. So especially when they feel like the partner also is kind of moving away, they will come back with flatteries, gifts, flowers, and declarations of love and crazy. And uh, yeah, 27, they generate a state of discomfort, making the other person feel as if they are in a trap, they are not free. 28, they are excellent at meeting their own goals, but at the expense of others. They, they, are, they are emotional vampires. They take all the energy out of others and they use it to, to meet their own goals. 29, they make uh, others do things that they would probably never have done on their own or of their own free will. Number 30, they are constantly the focus of conversation among people who know them, even if they are not present. Yeah, because they divide, they, they, they create so much havoc in groups of friends or family that even when they are not there, or at work, it could be at work too, right? When there's a narcissistic colleague or boss or something and the person is not around and everybody is talking about them constantly. So there are also a few um, nonverbal ways this kind of person um, relates to others.
I would say even particularly to a partner, they have a shifty gaze, like they don't look people in the eye when they talk. Um, they look elsewhere when you're talking to them. And sometimes the volume of their voice can be too low or too high, like very loud or not loud enough. Um, they don't show emotions. They don't show any emotions. And the person who is um, a victim of this, it has psychosomatic um, consequences. So it's not only like psychological problems that it creates for the person, it creates also like physical problems, right? Um, feelings of guilt, um, aggressivity, anxiety, moments of sadness, fear, and sometimes depression, and for others, even as far as suicide. And physically, it can cause the person to have headaches, digestive issues, and not in their stomach um, or throat. Sometimes when you anticipate a conversation with this kind of person and thinking it will not go well, you know, like a general state of discomfort, not being comfortable around this person. It can create muscle tension, stress, anxiety, sometimes overeating or undereating and uh, many more, more, more things. Yeah. So for my part, how I, um, I found this book is when I, uh, I first, I dated someone when I was 20 years old and I wanted to get married to the person. And I realized when the relationship ended that, I was totally manipulated. The person I thought this person was was never that person, and I was I was so so sad. And I, everybody saw it except me. Everyone around me, my mom, everybody could see that he was manipulative. He was cheating, many things, and I just couldn't see it. And I was beating myself up so much that how come I didn't see it? How come I'm such a stronger? How come I I I didn't see this person how they were behaving? So in doing research, in trying to heal, in trying to understand, I found this book. I don't know, that was in early 2000s and stuff. So I don't know how I found it. Google, I don't know if Google was already so good. <laughs> Anyways, I found this book, Les Manipulateurs en Parmi Nous. And then I read it and I was like, it just opened my mind because I was so naive. Um, I didn't know anything about relationships. I didn't date when I was a teenager. I really uh, started dating very late, like towards my 20s. So there were many things I did not know, like in the dynamics, right? In a relationship, what was normal, what was, I didn't know any of that. So when this relationship ended and, um, I was so disillusioned and I read that book. It just opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, at least if I get into another relationship that is um, like this, I will see the signs, right? Um, uh, fast forward a few years later when I was doing my master's degree in London. I, got, I, I, I go from you know, Geneva, Switzerland to London, UK, and I didn't know anyone. And I was um, in my student room and then I would go on campus. And I think on the first day on campus, I meet this guy. And um, and then we, 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 had, we had like said, there was a student group created on Facebook before we came to London and we had said hi to each other on the group. So when I got there, so we recognized each other on the campus. And um, 
Yeah, so like very quickly, um, we became very close because he was there to to study. He he all his family was like in Paris, and uh, and then so we became very close. And um, I think he thought we were going to date, and I was just out of a. I was just I had been my heart was recently. Uh, broken by a person I thought would be my boyfriend and didn't work out. So I didn't want anything. So, and then I told him that I didn't want to date him, that it was not the time for me and I'm not interested in him. I think it was like this signal to him because he's a narcissist. Um, I became like, um, he had to chase me down, right? He had to, he had to conquer me. Yeah. It's not seduction. This is really like uh, manipulation. And um, even my heart was broken as I was telling you. So I was already like in shambles kind of. And there was this guy showing me so much attention. And that was like the propitious terrain, like um, environment. Because I don't know anybody in London. All my support system is in Switzerland. Then there's this guy. uh, He's like spending all his time with me. That's what they do. They want to spend all their time with you. That Those are some of the characteristics. They they ask to move in after like three months. Yeah, they want to do everything with you. They mimic your life. They start liking the things you like as if they don't have a, a personality like a chameleon, right? So that's the seductive phase. So in relationships, maybe I should have started with that. In a relationship with such a personality, there, there are two phases or three phases if there is a marriage. But the first phase is this um, seduction, seduction phase where you think they are the best thing that could happen in your life because these these kind of guys, for, for my in my experience, they dress well, they are very smart, they they have money, they, they have nice watches, like they socially they look really good. They are very intelligent, they have many degrees or a high flying job and things like that. So it looks like the catch, right? And um um, that's so that's the first phase so in my own first phase he made my life as easy if I needed anything he would do it for me he would go like I needed coins to do to be able to do laundry and then I was feeling lazy to go out and get coins he would go he went and changed like a huge box of coins and gave me <laughs> I mean I think I had enough to do my laundry for the whole school year and things like that um taking me every day to to lunch and dinner in a restaurant creating this fake um, trust, like trying to make you trust them at all costs. He gave me like the code of his bank card every time we went and ate um, at the restaurant when the beer came and then they, he would put his card and he would tell me to put the code. So it, it, it makes you feel as if he trusts you, like he's building this, but all of that is fake. It's not real. That's not the real him. It's only to seduce you to make you feel as if you've met the one, the guy that will save you. Especially with us, um, some of us, when we from 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 Africa, from my community, some of us had women that we, we fight hard, we, we succeed, we are going out there. We have wounds, right? Wounds from childhood that we haven't dealt with. So when a guy like this comes, he looks like the savior. He looks like that guy that will make your life right. And then he's 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 playing the part really well, I, and one thing I already noticed, 
was that he was controlling. It was very subtle. He would want to see my timetable. And every day I would finish my class on campus. He would be standing in front of the door when I left the class waiting for me. As if he wasn't doing nothing. He was also a student. So he was like starting his own studies. Everywhere, every time I finish my class and I'm leaving class, he's there right behind the door waiting for me. And um, we had to take a, an exam, just like a test at the beginning of my master's degree. I was so stressed by it. He went and bought the book uh, to prepare the test, read the book in order to help me prepare. You know, So you say, wow, this kind of support. Wow, this person is amazing and stuff and stuff and stuff. So that's the first phase. Um, but at one point, so like he would, he was teasing me here and there, but my trust in me was kind of, you know, my idea was like, despite my childhood, the only person that can torture me is me. I will not let anybody else torture me. So I will not let other people enter my head. I already had <laughs> enough of my problems. I will not let someone un- impose hurt on me. So anyways, but little by little, when you're around this kind of person, um, things shift. So from, from that person, he, he was always free. We were, we spent all our time together when we were not together, we we're hanging out on Skype together. You know, it was really crazy. But afterwards, one day he told me that, um, he made fun of me that I cannot cook, you know, I said, okay, okay. I will cook. So I cooked some, like I really went. Um, and bought African food. I cooked like several dishes. And on the time he was supposed to come, it was a Sunday to eat. He never showed up and I couldn't reach him. My instinct told me that you're not alone. He has another girlfriend that my, I couldn't deny it in my, myself in what I felt. And um, from there, it's true. It started going down here. All those, um, because they use pseudo logic so to to counter you always arguments with no tail arguments that took hours um all uh, like pseudo logic stuff telling you that you you're not logical you're crazy you're this um putting you on edge like very he made me feel very anxious you know very anxious why the, why like he would tell me that he he cannot love me. Lots of mystery about his family. Yeah, that he would like to be in a relationship with me, but he cannot when he's done everything to be in a relationship with me. Anyways, it was really, really, really a mess. And I saw all the signs. Um, he could come to me, but I couldn't go to him. Like, you know, and in the book, you, there's something where, you know, he controls the space where you meet and things like that. So I saw the signs from that book, even though I was too... I was not strong enough to get myself out of it um, at at first. And then after after like two months, I tried to start getting out of it. It was such a struggle. He wouldn't let it be. He would show up at my dorm room. My One of my dorm room neighbors wanted to beat him up because he came to our building. You needed a code to get in. I refused to let him in. He followed another student and, and, and came up to my room just because he couldn't accept um, that that I put a stop to it. Anyways, but I kept going back. He would convince me and I would restart the relationship with him. He got to know other women in his program. You always felt like this tension because he tells different people different things. People look at each other funny because, um, especially among women, because he's there manipulating everyone. It was just, 
It was just very toxic. So that's why I wanted to talk about that because sometimes we carry wounds in ourselves where we think that a man would come and save us. A man, especially that's how we are brought up. A man would make everything right in our life. We become that princess we've always seen in those Disney movies. And then actually we can then end up with a, with a manipulative, narcissistic person. And it has consequences. It destroys you. It destroys you because he instills like doubt. You're always doubting yourself. You're never good enough. It could be like directly or indirectly that he's always doubting you. Uh, if you have a success, he cannot he cannot rejoice for you because actually he's jealous of you. He wants to be the successful one. He's even jealous of how other people perceive you, right? And some, and sometimes he wants to isolate. No, it's not sometimes. One of the tactics is to isolate you from your family and your friends and tell you that everybody around is jealous of you and him because you guys look so good together. Don't talk to her. Don't tell her anything. You know they're jealous and things like that. And then so you're isolated and you don't say anything to anyone and you suffer so much, especially when you're someone like you're a leader, you're in this leadership position at work, you're a high flyer, you're a go-getter, you've studied you, you're successful, you look good. Every, many people admire you. Like in society, you have like um, many people looking up to you and admiring your, your path in life. To be a victim of such a person brings a lot of shame. And when we are isolated like this, sometimes we don't even dare to reach out to others anymore. We keep isolating ourselves because we don't want to tell people what we are going through. I think where it's really difficult is when there's codependency, right? When uh, the, the partner is codependent and things that they need this love to survive and then it can really be really bad because over time, over the years, if if uh, a person stays with a narcissist uh, manipulator a long time, it really sucks the life energy out of them. It sucks the life energy out of them. So it is important to go back and reevaluate our own values what we stand for and when we realize of course awareness is the first thing when you become aware of how things are what the person is you have to go and work on yourself you know most of most in all the research i saw they say the main thing is to run away like to run because they cannot change it's a it's a pathology they cannot change they cannot you cannot love them and change them, you know. And we have to shift some beliefs of what society tells us a good partner is. We, we, are, we are raised to think that, oh, that guy who went to Harvard, who went, who has this high-flying job, that car, that watch, that's the catch. That's the, that's the main guy you should go for and things like that. So I'm not saying that all the guys who, who have that, they, they are manipulators, but you have to look. You have to really look if that person is genuine, right? Um, and when society tells women who are in leadership positions sometimes that, yeah, you scare men, you know, um, and then this kind of person come, the family can also say, yeah, but don't let him go because you don't know, you don't know if this kind of guy will come into your life anytime soon. But the thing is, some if the person is a narcissist, that person will destroy you. So it's you to know your own values and not let even the pressure of family, friends to make you get into this relationship because they will also try to mimic you, be like you actually. They will start liking the same things as you, talk like you, use 
And my my ex used to use words I used to talk. That was really super, super strange. Um, also, this idea that for a woman to live alone is a failure in society. Like if you're not with a partner, you're not set up, like, that we should, we should let go of that because that's how we rush. We can be out of people saying things to us. Oh, we are still alone. When are you going to marry? We can rush into this. And this is more destructive than being alone in any ways. And that idea to that routine is boring. In movies and stuff, we've been told that routine love is boring. You have to have like strong emotions. With the narcissist, you have strong emotions, uh, believe me. First, you'll be like strong, positive emotions, like in those uh, love stories, and I don't know, in movies. I don't I wanted to give a movie title, but I don't I don't think of anyone to give now. But when this, you also have like strong negative emotions, lots of tears of loneliness, confusion. So yeah, that idea to that routine is routine is uh, boring. That's not a life. That's, that's also false, right? The idea to that we can heal other people with love, that if you love the narcissist enough, they will change, they will turn around, they will start loving you back, loving your children back. Uh, they will stop cheating or no. It's a pathology. In the book, they say that these people, they cannot love. They get attached, but they cannot love. They're so stuck in what they think of their own their own idea of themselves that they don't love. And also, when the narcissist get this person who is high-flying and stuff and stuff, these are people who persevere in the face of adversity usually. If something is tough, they will keep going, they will push, they will find solutions, they will keep going until a breakthrough happens and then a solution happens. Well, in this case, that doesn't work well, actually, because the person will not change and you will hurt yourself. So these are beliefs that we have to examine, Put set a boundary of who you are and who this person are. Like that immersion, that mix of everything is very bad because, yeah, you, you're left confused. Things are not working out. Have community around you, a community of trusted friends that you can share with them the history of your relationship, that you can go and debrief how you met, how things changed, how this, how that. Maybe thinking things through, you can see the pattern of that first phase of seduction of love and everything, and then the other phase of where they devalue you, you're not good enough, everything you do is not good enough, they they, they criticize you, they, you know, you have to be perfect, which is it, which is bullshit. No one has to be perfect, but they make you feel as if you have to be perfect and you're substandard. And it makes you, when you're already doubting, the worst part is, that's my case, huh? when you're already doubting of yourself, of your self-confidence, your self-worth, the worst thing for you is to meet a, a, a narcissistic, manipulative uh, a partner or boyfriend or whatever that's the worst thing that can happen it comes with a lot of shame the antidote to shame is what is to speak up you have to speak up break the cycle of shame reach out to a friend don't reach out to everybody at the same time because maybe it's overwhelming reach out to that friend even if it's been a while that you have this strong you had this strong connection with and you know maybe first conversations just chit chat here and then when it warms up a little bit, you open up and speak. When you speak, that thing will not be so overpowering. And maybe the friend can give you um, resources or 
and you know you can can brainstorm um, solutions together how to get you out of this situation or to make it bearable if you don't want to leave they or in all the books they say you have to run you have to get out of the relationship you have to flee so um yeah that's what i wanted to share today i hope it will be helpful for for people um if you're if you're not in a relationship yet i hope it will help you like see who you can choose as a partner everything that glitters is not gold they say right so like really look at the person if they're genuine because sometimes people hang in there and thinking oh oh maybe it will be things we go back as they were at the beginning but actually at the beginning it was all a lie the person was never true so that that state of at the beginning when it was such passion and everything the person was like it was a face so it was a mask and the real them is that other them devaluing distant not loving um attacking you know so then those who are in a relationship and they notice this yeah set boundaries start taking care of yourself um if you used to go to i don't know zumba class start going to zumba class again like you know start doing things for yourself create a space where you exist for yourself in in such a relationship and and look for help i will always say that since 2 weeks now i'm a certified trauma informed coach so i've done like a course since january and i graduated 2 weeks ago so i have the resources and the tools to help women men who are struggling with if they feel stuck they they struggle with shame their past is too present in their life they struggle in relationships with things like this to come and we can coach i can coach you and help you find solutions to move your life forward and enjoy your present so voila hmm? reach out on instagram by email hello at miriamjoku.com and uh, we can do that thank you thank you my dears thank you my sisters um share this episode with your friends if it resonates and thank you for listening to the podcast bye for now and see you next time